Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. Welcome back to the Wolf and Luke show, minus Luke. Luke has the week off. Paul Calvisi sitting in. This is Wolfing Down Your Lunch, where we take you through the top stories of the day. And Maloney, it's minus the lunch, just so everybody knows. Right? The whole lunch part of this that Wolf doesn't provide, apparently, is metaphorically speaking, Basinonians. Yes. Indeed, Paul. Yeah. yeah, when are you going to bring in lunch for don't this Don't worry segment? about it, Mel. Chop, chop. <laughs> and I don't want your broccoli stuff that you've been on. <laughs> oh, no. 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 The whole Captain Broccoli. Oh, I love broccoli. Down 22 pounds though right uh, no don't ask no, him no, no, no nobody 20, cares a 25 no, how although, many push-ups can you do now embellishing oh, embellishing oh my goodness stop it remember when you did those in studio <laughs> okay next all right yeah, guys yeah we remember it because they weren't full push-ups anyway go ahead <laughs> the phoenix suns announced i on- said they weren't full i never said they were the military push-up in fact go. i said that come on okay the Phoenix Suns, maybe if they were full push-ups, you wouldn't have felt like falling off the treadmill. But I don't know. The Phoenix Suns announced on Monday that general manager James Jones is now the president of basketball operations while also still holding on to that GM title. So with that, Champ spoke to the media yesterday and detailed his new role. Mental freedom, right? Whenever you're, whenever you have, um, you know, the responsibilities that I have as a general manager, which means generally manage the day-to-day, uh, you're drawn to the to the whirlwind, you know, every aspect of the day, from what guys are eating to what packages are being delivered at the front door. Um, this just forces me to to step away from some of those things and delegate some of those uh, responsibilities, and, and to give my team an opportunity to grow. Uh, because you know, in, in in this business, you're usually very comfortable doing the things you do well. And the only way to improve is to stretch yourself, and so this is an opportunity for me to stretch myself. What do you want to see from James Jones in his new role? More of the same. I mean, you took a team from 19 to 64 wins. I I could just let that hang. Are you serious? Yeah. And and now with the uncertainty in the the ownership situation, there's no doubt in my mind that Sam Garvin, whoever's calling the shot, said, okay, let's protect our assets. And James Jones is one of the most valuable assets in that organization. And you said, yeah, no no other team's going to come here and poach one of our guys during this period of uncertainty. So we're going to try and lock him up, give him the promotion he deserves, and boom, now he's both president and GM. I can't help it, Mel, just listening to that cut right there. It's so obvious. Mental freedom. Uh, That's what he's looking for. He's going to have to delegate a lot of these different responsibilities as a general manager who's he going to delegate to i think a lot of it is going to be monty williams very interesting the more i hear the more i love about this copacetic relationship between james jones and monty williams so the Suns are gearing up to take on the Bulls tonight at 7 o'clock. You can hear the game on Ari- on the Arizona Sports app and on 98.7. So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com. And it asks, besides Devin Booker, who has been the Suns' most impactful player since Chris Paul went down? So your choices, DeAndre Ayton, Mikkel Bridges, Campaign, or other? Wow. 
it's definitely not other or campaign. So now it's down to Mikhail Bridges or DeAndre Ayton. And recent, recent play, it's obviously Ayton, based on the fact he's the Western Conference Player of the Week. But there's so many things that Mikhail Bridges does so that doesn't things. show up on the box score. That's exactly you know. right. In fact, the best thing he's done was that, that viral video of him dancing with a kid. That was highly entertaining. So sports is entertainment. You know what? I'll go with Mikhail Bridges. You know what? That's what I was going to do as well, Polly. Go with Mikhail Bridges. Um, although I will say right now, if you tell me DeAndre Ayton is truly the light bulb has gone on in the shed. And this is something that I've been waiting for for the longest time. And I've been up and I've been down, as we all have, up and down in regard to DeAndre Ayton and whether or not he was going to get it. Well, based on what we have seen over the last three games, he's getting it. And even James Jones said he's getting it. Even James Jones acknowledged the fact that there may have been the proverbial light bulb going on in the shed for DeAndre Ayton. And if that is the case, if he keeps playing like he has recently, it's going to be D.A. who makes the biggest impact. And what did Kevin Ray tell us today? That Amari has been talking openly about challenging... That DeAndre Aiden has been talking openly about challenging Amari Stoudemire's yes. record for dunks in a season. Hello! Yep. Is that not what we were talking about yesterday with the epiphany of Shaquille O'Neal? Where he went from thinking he was Magic Johnson and pretty boy basketball to all of a sudden his sergeant father said, Dunk this stinking basketball. It was an epiphany. And that's all great. But as someone just tweeted me, hey, Paul, once upon a time, DeAndre Ayton also said him and D-Book were going to be Shaq Kobe too. Yes. So there have been other proclamations at times. And not only that, Paulie, remember he said he was an entertainer. Remember that one? Okay. So 47% say DeAndre Ayton, 37% say Mikel Bridges, 13% say campaign, 2% say other. Hmm. It's the bye week for the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, you could argue um, Damian Lee. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. It's the bye week for the Arizona Cardinals. They don't have a game until Monday, December 12th against the Patriots. ESPN looked at realistic expectations for the rest of the season for all 32 NFL teams. For the Cardinals, they said, quote, winning one, maybe two games, unquote. What do you guys think? Is that really a headline? Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, okay, next. No, no, I don't. Uh, know I hate to say it. I, you know, I don't know what sort of formula they use, but yeah, hit zoom out. Use your common sense. I mean, the way things have been trending and tracking, and you're playing some teams that will have something to play for, and you're playing some quality teams that are very well coached, sure, with quality quarterbacks down the stretch. Yeah, I think that's pretty uh, much would, the over under. I would change it though, Paulie. I would say not, of course, one game or two games. I would not do that. Find themselves over the next five games. They have one shot to do this right. Find Kyla Murray and this offense over the next five games. Or bust. I do know a high school student with great character, deserving of a $10,000 scholarship. We want to hear about them and how they make an impact on our community. Just text character to 620-620 and share their story. Once again, text character to 620-620. All right, a lot of questions. For Max Starks coming up next. I was not aware Max Starks was on the... I, man, I got mental, I get myself mentally ready for this. I know, Polly. I mean, in the next hour, Max Starks, maximum football. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Okay, here we go. I'm going to put the mouthpiece in. I'll be in a three-point stance. We'll get all that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You get killed. 
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum Maximum Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Please welcome from the University of Florida, tackle Max Starks. Well, this seems like piling on. No, not the beat I'm, a, I'm about to get, Pauly Pencilneck from Max Starks. But this headline that reads, and uh, I quote, gentlemen, about half the team attended Russell Wilson's birthday party. Birthday party. And whether that indicates a red flag of any sorts as parallels are drawn to the movie Draft Day. I was going to say, this sounds like a Bo Callahan situation. Exactly. When the team got all wary and a little bit nervous when they realized that nobody, none of his teammates attended Bo Callahan's fictional birthday party in the movie Draft Day. (laughs) There's Sierra throwing a big old swanky expensive birthday party for Russell Wilson and only half the Broncos showed up to the party. Max Starks, big deal, not a big deal, telling not telling. What says you? Listen, uh, when Ben had his big birthday party, only five of us were, were there. So, I mean, you know, at least he got half the team there, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Well, wait a minute. I mean, wasn't that was by invitation, though, right? I mean, he it, did it he open it up? Yeah, he, he didn't well, open well, it well, up. His, to his, the his wife. His wife did. Okay. Yes. His, his wife okay. Because it was so a wait. surprise. Oh, okay. Five of you showed up. So <laughs> she, quote, sorry. she invited the starting <laughs> offensive line. If only five of you were there, how does that work? Yeah, no, I, it was select guys. I yeah, guess it was. a couple <laughs> of them selected. I don't know. Um, but I would have figured more guys locally would have been there and invited. I mean, uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, half the team shows. I'm trying to think of my – well, no, I take that back. We all showed up at Jerome's. Uh, final birthday party before he retired. Okay, um, and yes. it was in Las Vegas, and we and we all made it. There, so. <laughs> uh, you know what? No, hey, nothing to see here. Nothing Vegas, to see here. Baby. We're good. We're, we're we're good. We're good. No, half the team showed up. I mean, technically, he plays on one half of the team, anyways. Half the guys are offensive, so maybe yeah. his half was just offensive guys. You know what? I would also throw in Polly. When was the party? When was it? Was it uh, you know a, a Thursday night? Was it a Friday night? When was it, Paul? Was it See, Wolf violating uh, the golden rule? Ask me questions. Okay, I exactly. don't know. I have no idea. But as was pointed out in the story, Russell Wilson has his own office in the Broncos <laughs> facility. I'm so, sorry. What? So there. there <laughs> you imagine something something wicked has really happened up there in Denver has it not i mean mm. there is something that is intangible that is stinking up the air inside that broncos locker room well and you just had the sideline spat with mike purcell Right, I mean that whole thing just went down. That exchange between Russell Wilson and a guy that apparently Russell Wilson had admonished for a penalty coming off the field, and Mike Purcell wasn't having it. He was not taking it from Russell Wilson. Well, here's the thing. Let, let, let's be honest here. Is Russell Wilson going to be a Denver Bronco in 2023? Yes. Yes. Because yes. sixty-seven million dollars say so. And now do, now here's the bigger question. Will Nathaniel Hackett be the head coach of the Denver Broncos in 2023? Doubtful. 
<laughs> highly doubt that means they're not playing on Sundays. Uh, you know I that, Polly. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, you know, yeah. it was interesting driving in and listening to Mark Schlereth on with Bickley and Murata, and obviously they talk Smirk. Broncos every single day. And his observation, I didn't realize this. Then in Week One, he threw for like three hundred something yards. Russell Wilson. It's gotten progressively worse week after week to the point where the defense is allowing only 17.6 points per game. Incredible. They're right there with the stinking 49ers as having an elite scoring defense, but the Denver Broncos offense is averaging a league low 14.2 points per game and seemingly every week they come out with a different scheme, a different identity. They're at a complete loss to figure this out right now, including the head coach giving up the play calling duties a month ago. Well, I'm just happy that They've they, they've flexed the Denver Broncos out of prime time. For <laughs> That's week. right. Yes, they did. I, I was like, my good. I mean, but but th- this is something where I feel like you should have had a more established coach there in the first place in your hiring process. If this was the goal, was to bring in Russell Wilson, you know, because Russell Wilson. Needs that needs that type of guidance still. Even all the stuff that he, all the goodwill that he's done in Seattle and everything else, you should have brought a, a veteran coach to come handle him. Because I felt like putting a rookie head coach that we can argue about his offensive prowess um, was not going to be suitable for what Russell needed to do as well. So I mean. You know, I look at the team, I look at Russ, and I can't put all the blame on Russ, and I can't put all the blame on Nathaniel Hackett, but there's a lot of blame to be passed around as far as how they went about this process, and this experiment just absolutely fell on his face. But we know one, one of the agents are going to be there for the new experiment, and that's going to be Russell Wilson. So now your next step is to find a play caller and head coach that can vibe with Russ or create, craft a plan for Russ and also go get a whole bunch of running backs and yeah, something something's got to go. By the way, here's your holy cannoli stats. Somebody pointed out that Carson Wentz, who hasn't played since October 13th, still has two more passing touchdowns than Russell Wilson this season. Stunning, Paul. Hello. Stunning. That being the case, let's talk Cardinals. Yeah. And you mentioned head coaches, and now uh, I mentioned the Cardinals have five games left and six opponents left. That sixth and final opponent is the national media, apparently, because here we go from <laughs> NFL Network, or actually this is from the K. Adams Up and Adams podcast broadcast. James Jones, former NFL receiver and NFL Network analyst, talking about Cliff Kingsbury and the deny- dynamic in the locker room. I would have to be on the player side, and I'm not necessarily just saying Kyler Murray's side. I'm saying the player side. And I just do not think Cliff Kingsbury has the respect of this football team. And as a head coach, when you don't have the respect of a football team, you're not going to get the best out of a football team. And you talked about it, Kay, right? This team has talent Mm -hmm. across the board, right? But it's starting with the guy that's running the ship, and that's Cliff Kingsbury. And these guys do not respect Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach, and you see it. Now, we haven't seen that, and we're around the team every day. But let's give James Jones a little more to elaborate. They chewing him out on the sideline. They coming out, you know, in the media saying crazy, crazy stuff in the media. And it's not just Kyler. You know, it's a lot of the players. And you're not going to get guys to go out there and battle for you and, and ride for you if you don't have the respect for them. And any little thing that goes on with the Arizona Cardinals, right? It's always stuff like this that comes out. Right. It's always them, you know, getting at Cliff Kingsbury. And that lets me know, man, that the, the head coach ain't got control of the ship. And that, and that's a problem. So I'll put this on Cliff. 
See, to me, the problem is making a serious allegation like that and not citing sources. Because how are you to know? You're not around the team. You, you can't come to that conclusion. I, I just think that's an irresponsible take because, I, you know, how is he to know? I, it, who's telling him that? Because he's certainly not around the team on a daily basis, Max. Your reaction? Yeah, my reaction is you're right. It's irresponsible journalism. And listen, I, I love James. James was a colleague of mine. Uh, when I when I was doing work at NFL Network, um, very good dude. But I, I have to I have to throw the flag on him, right? Illegal procedure. Um, you know, unless you're having those conversations with guys, and you've heard it, and and I mean, hell, Paul, you're on the sidelines. You walk behind that bench and around that area all the time. You're at the facility, and and even from my dealings, I, I've never heard or seen that aspect as well. So I think that's that's a problem when, once again, national side starts to just make kind of broad stroke allegations based off of a snapshot as opposed to really getting into it. Because, I mean, you can really A, hurt your own credibility, but then B, you can cause you know, divisiveness within that locker room, like look to be an, a, a, you know, a chaos agent in the process. So, uh, you know, I don't agree with that. I think, yeah, if you're going to do that, also be, be, be responsible, cite the source. Cite the source or talk about your own personal experiences you've had with a player having a conversation with them. You know, I think that's, that's what would go further. But for that, I, 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 don't, I don't see that and I don't think that. And, um, yeah. I don't like that. You know what I think he did, Max, for the most part? I think he just saw Kyler Murray and what Kyler Murray did to Cliff Kingsbury, of course, and he drew his own conclusion yep. from that point right there. That That yeah. is what I think happened. He said, you got guys coming out in the media saying crazy stuff. Who, who have you heard come out and actually say crazy stuff about Cliff Kingsbury? I, I mean, I'm talking about even Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson. Now, listen, those two guys, they had issues with Steve Kime in the organization, as many players will have when your contract goes awry. We all understand. But even, you know, Benjamin, nobody has pointed to that and said there's a respect issue inside the locker room. Not that I've heard of. I I don't know about you, Max. I haven't heard it either, Wolf. I haven't heard it either. So that's where I think you take some snapshots from Hard Knocks. You see some some film from Sports Center and different moments, and you just craft your own little story off of those fragments. In fact, if anything, I mean, you listen to the players. At least what they say after games is, you know, hey, we lost, we feel bad. Cliff's the players' coach. You let down the coaching staff. So, uh, and once again, Wolf's absolutely correct. People saw that three second moment on Thursday night against the Saints that was nationally broadcast on the sideline. What they don't see is after every single possession on the sideline, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are communicating and trying to figure out what to do on the next possession. So. That's where I draw the line. Texas, your thoughts to the FanDuel text line is 620-620 right now. Coming up next, uh, we're going to go through the latest storylines around the NFL with two-time Super Bowl champion Max Starks because it is maximum football right now on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum football. With Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Here we go. Even on the bye week, Big Max Starks joins us. Maximum football. Paulie pinch hitter for Luke. 
Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And what is the best thing about a bye week? You guys have been there and done that. Max, bye week. What would you look forward to the most back in your playing days? Just being able to relax. <laughs> I think that's that's the biggest thing. Just a moment to kind of take a breath, um, get healed up, get some extra treatment, and know that you kind of t- can take a mental stress break. Um, because when you're in the season and you're going week after week and it's literally wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, new opponent, you know, that comes up every single week, new challenges, new frustrations, new competitive edge that you're, that you're trying to create for yourself. And it's just fun to just have a couple of days off. Now they're still going to practice a couple of days, obviously, but going to the weekend where you can just relax, you know, I wasn't trying to travel or do anything like that. I just, I was like, I just want to sleep. I just want to rest. I want to ice my knees and my ankles, and I just want to take a you know just take a breath where I can just kind of relax and then refocus for you know everything that's going to happen after the bye. There we go. That's good, Max, because Wolf was more of a you know one two three Cancun guy. You know what I mean? So I don't know oh, what you're yeah. talking about, yeah. Polly. Here we go. More to you. Around the NFL we go. Aaron Rodgers from Pat McAfee yesterday, and uh, he was asked, "All right, Packers, long shot, outside looking in in the playoff picture. You're banged up. Are you going to play?" Listen, we are eight and four, four and eight, twelve and zero, zero and twelve. I'd be wanting to suit up this week. How come and not I- just because it's Chicago. Because that's what you do, you know. When you're when you're a player, you go out there, and if you can play, you play. You don't need some doctor to give you an excuse. Oh man, I don't know, maybe one more week. You know, not quite a hundred percent. No, if you can go out there and compete, and you have competitive greatness in your body, in your heart, in your mind, you go out and play. I mean, you're making fifty million a year, or so. You're going to play. Apparently, the initial reports were punctured lung. It's not nearly as serious with Aaron Rodgers. Although a kid, a kid at a charity event said Aaron Rodgers told him, tweeted this out, that Aaron Rodgers has been dealing with a broken thumb. That that's been part of what's been illing and ailing Aaron Rodgers so far this season. All right, how about uh, Jeff Saturday? Here we go. Let's wow. move on to this. Jeff Saturday from Monday. I don't know if you guys saw Monday Night Football. After the game, the brand-new head coach, interim coach of the Colts said this. Obviously, there's always things everybody wants to do, plays they want back. I I wish I had that third down back, in all honesty. I wish I would have used a timeout. Um, just looking at it on film, looked at it last night again, looked at it this morning again, and and uh, from a time perspective, I felt I felt good, but the uh, you could tell we were in disarray. Uh, not exactly what ownership Jim Irsay wanted to hear about his new head coach that everyone was surprised. So it looks like he was surprised at the very end of the game. Hello, clock management for a newcomer. Once again, I mean, Paulie, I look at this, and I was there. I was on the sidelines for this, and I was watching the clock tick down, and I'm like, is he going to call a timeout? I almost was motioning to myself <laughs> to put the t- – I'm like, there's, like you've lost 10. No, you lost 15. Nope, it's 20 now. Oh, they're running the play. I was like, oh, my God, he ran off 24 seconds. I was like, what is he doing? And the security guy's looking at me. The cheerleaders are looking at yeah. me. I'm like, hey. I don't work here. I'm a, I'm on the winning side. I don't know what to tell you, but it was it was something where 
I, you know, you have John Fox, you have Gus, Gus Bradley, you have experienced coaches on that side of the ball that all had to be watching this as well. I don't know what what he could have possibly said. Hey, what, what play you think we're going to run? Timeout. Yeah. No, no, no. What, no, I'm looking for a play. Timeout. And then I'll tell you the play. Just call the timeout. Timeout, 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 timeout. I, I don't know why there wasn't that type of emphasis because you were in a position driving, and I'm happy he didn't call a timeout because that gave my Steelers enough room to win the game. Yeah, you know what? As an interim head coach right here, it kind of showed his lack of experience and not using a timeout right there. That's number one. And number two, I will say this, Polly. I, I doubt if you had an established head coach, he'd ever admit that. I doubt he'd ever admit that in that situation. But because he is an interim, because he's Jeff Saturday, I think he did. What's the vibe around the Colts? You said you were there. You're around that team. I mean, any chance that John Fox and Gus Bradley weren't all that eager to help out Jeff Saturday? Well, well John, John in the pregame, I mean, first of all, John Fox is like super skinny now. Like he is, he's, he's living his best <laughs> okay. life. I was like, oh my goodness. But... But, no, I mean, everybody seemed eager to help, and, you know, they wanted to win. I mean, you know, because Scotty Montgomery, who was my running back, who was my wide receivers coach in Pittsburgh, he's a running backs coach there. Matt Race is the assistant D-line coach, obviously, who was here for a long time with the Cardinals. Um, David Thornton's over there, Reggie Wayne. I mean, you have a good group of guys over there, and <laughs> everybody just was, like, just looking at the field when I looked across the field, when I looked across. I was like, so nobody's noticing the time. There's no timekeeper. There's no like sports analytics guy with a telephone book running behind Jeff Saturday, telling him what the situation is. It just looked like they were all stunned. When he was talking about disarray, it was the coaching staff and sideline included. I could see Gus Bradley just like let him sit in his own flop. All right. So speaking of yeah. being honest, okay, and as someone who was there down in that sideline, Max, right. And as yours truly, Paul A. Pencilnet, Cardinal Sideline Reporter, if you want the best money content out there, you go with a sideline reporter. That Always. being the case, yes, that being the case, and we have you outvoted, Wolf, two to three, two to one in this First one. of all, he's not a reporter. He's a sideline analyst, Paul. And, and, and oh. so here we go, and I cannot pronounce this reporter's name. I'm not even going to try and butcher it. CBS Sideline Reporter. But listen to this 45-second report on Tua Tonga Bailoa. Tua was about as honest as he could be with us yesterday, telling us that multiple times during the year last year, he looked in the mirror and he asked himself, do I suck? He genuinely didn't know if he belonged on this level because he was so beleaguered by both the fan base and his coaches. And then Mike McDaniel put together a 700-play tape to show him how good he actually is. You know, I think anyone here can attest to someone believing in them and how that changes how they see themselves, but also things around them, so perspective. But it, 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 I mean, it, it was awesome. I mean, think about that. Mike McDaniel came in, he realized Tua was questioning himself, that his self-confidence needed to be bolstered. Put together a 700-play reel <laughs> and said, Tua, look, man, you can play. Know it. Believe it. Believe in yourself. And it looks like it's gone a long way, Max, with Tua's play this year. Well, let, let, let's be let's be honest and frank. Mike McDaniels did not go through and cut up all 700 of those plays. He had an assistant do that. <laughs> oh, he's got and people he, that do that, yes. Exactly. And then he watched about 6 to 10, like, okay, it looks good. Did it look like the rest? Did the other 690 look the same? All right, good. Yeah. 
Good. I'm gonna walk in and give this gift. Thank you for wrapping this gift for me. Um, but I, but I think that it, that is something that's that's important. Like for a head coach, you need to be able to sense your players, and especially your star players, especially one at the quarterback position. If you feel there's uncertainty, if you feel there's something, you've got to embolden that guy. You've got to talk to him because, like you said. Players are human, too. They're going to question themselves. They're going to doubt themselves. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I doubted myself. But I'm sure, Wolf, there was times where you doubted yourself sure. going into a game or going into a season. Like, why am I here? Do I deserve to be here? I don't know and what you're so- talking about, Matthew. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Once again, once again, all, 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 all of us have watched SNL. Let me just say this quickly right here, too. Uh, Mike McDaniel, of course, his offense attack the line of scrimmage and throw the ball down the field using play action. Tyreek Hill. Hello, Tyreek Hill. That offense that Tua Tungabailoa is in right now is exactly the offense he needs to be in. And Tyreek Hill, it's amazing how many quarterbacks he'll make look better. All right, we'll come back. More Maximum Football, the Pac-12. Will they return? Will USC actually make it to the college football playoff? Max is going to weigh in on that. It is next. Wolf and Luke with Calvisi sitting in on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Max starts. Maximum Football. With Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Two-time Super Bowl champion Max Starks joins us for this hour. Maximum football. Paulie Pinch hitter in for Luke. Ron Wolfley and the penultimate rankings came out. It's Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC number four. How about that? In fact, the SEC and Pac-12, Max, have six teams apiece in the top 25. How about that? The Pac-12 representing. Well, the Pac-12 has definitely had a resurgence this year. I mean, I, w- I would argue the Pac-12 probably is the second best Power 5 conference this year. Um, I thought that they, they've done a great job. I mean, the top of their conference is uh, is a really stout crew. I mean, you headlined by USC and, of course, first-year coach Lincoln Riley and Heisman favorite, I'll say, because obviously the war's not yeah. here yet. Um, Caleb Williams, they've, just, they've done a great job. Um, they'll have a tough task in front of them with Utah. But you have Utah right behind them. You have Washington right there. You have Oregon State and Oregon. I mean, this is this is truly uh this is truly a good year for the uh the Pac twelve, if it's a swan song or not. Uh they've they've done some good work and deserve to be there in the top four. So when you look at the top four right now, is there anybody you think that can beat Georgia on the line of scrimmage? Because they are so good on both sides of the ball eh. you know, it, it's so tough because georgia like they can morph themselves like they can get into shootouts they can go ground and pound they still have a very devastating defense that that can be really stingy at times um it, you know i thought ohio state until i watched that michigan game could be one that that could go toe-to-toe with them but proven wrong i think i think michigan has a defense that can slow the Georgia offense, I don't know if Michigan can score in the air as much. I know Cornelius mm. Johnson had a really good game against Ohio State, but consistently, I like I like J.J. McCarthy. I think he, I think he's going to be a really, really great 
quarterback. He's done. I, I think they made the right decision with moving on from Cade McNamara um, to get JJ McCarthy, and he's and he had his moment right when you talk about the it factor. Like he has that. Yep. Um, I just don't know if Michigan can go toe to toe with with a, with that season Georgia squad. It's going to be a challenge, but I would probably put them up there as the best contender. All right, so they all have their conference championship games, yep. right? Including USC going against Utah, and that's USC's only loss. It was a one-point loss. It was earlier this year, so we know how physical Utah is in that one. And whether it's TCU, USC, Michigan going against Purdue, most people think that's a layup, a slam dunk. But here's Heather Dinich this morning from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max talking about the margin of error for TCU and USC. There is no margin for error for USC. They lose, they're done. TCU, I think, has a little bit more leeway because at some point, guys, we're talking about getting in by default. You've got Georgia in, you've got Michigan in. If USC loses and TCU loses, I mean, who else is there? Then you're going to, well, TCU only has one loss. Ohio State has one loss. And then Alabama sort of creeps back into the conversation. Yeah, TCU, by the way, plays uh, number 10 Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. What do you think? And, and what are the chances that we get some chaos after this conference championship weekend? Well, I, I think I think every team except for the Big Ten championship is going to be highly contested because nobody wanted to win the, the Big Ten West. I feel like that was one that was going to be tough. I'm calling the Big, Ten, uh, Big 12 championship, so I'm going to reserve my right on a winner for that one. But I think it's going to be a really good um, contest, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Max Duggan and crew can do. And, of course, Will Howard you know, getting the helm out from Adrian, Adrian Martinez over there at Kansas State. I think Deuce Vaughn and Kendra Miller, that's going to be a heavyweight bout between real, two really good uh, backs, and I can't wait to see which team is going to do it. I think TCU's just, just they, they, they've just, there's, they just seem to be destined, Paul. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just seem to be a team that's been on top of it all year. They've been against the gun. They played from behind. So they're never, they're never too emotional. They don't ride the roller coaster. They just, they just stay flatlined the entire time. So I think they could actually pull it off and finish things off um, with a victory and go into the college football playoff as a three seed. Does Bama have any chance of actually somehow, some way getting into this thing? Or can we all relax and have a happy holiday season knowing Nick Saban will not be involved? USC has to win. <laughs> USC has to win. That, that's the only assured way. All four of those teams win and do what they're supposed to do. That's the only way you keep Nick Saban out. Because then, if USC loses, now, now, now it's now it's the negotiating game, right? It's oh well, Ohio State. Their only loss was to Michigan, who then won this, and then Alabama. They're right there on the door. But if you win, you don't have to worry about these things. That's the only thing I say. So I'm just praying that everybody does what they're supposed to do, so I don't have to hear about Nick Saban for at least another year. <laughs> yeah. By the way, if all four... So you're with me on the Nick Saban thing, right? I, I mean, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm, I'm over it. Give me fresh blood. Give me yes. fresh blood in the playoffs. Thank you, Nick. All right, so if it holds as it is, then most likely it'll be Michigan TCU in the Fiesta Bowl, two and three. Then one against four, Georgia against USC. We know USC's defense is nothing to write home about, Max. How ugly could that get, Georgia against SC? Oof. Terrible. Terrible. In the words of in the words of, of Charles Barkley, that could be absolutely horrible. Durable. Oh yeah, Tur- durable. 
Terrible. Yeah. Boy, it's just terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that, would be a, that would be a bad day because I think Georgia would absolutely own them um, in a lot of respects. I mean, now, granted, will they put points up? Yeah, but they, they, won't, they won't be the competitive points, and, and the comp- competition will be out of, out of play by that time, by the time they get themselves together. So I don't like it. Think about this right now, the Rose Bowl, okay? I just want to read this to you, Max. Leaders of the college football playoff issued an ultimatum to the Rose Bowl this week, giving a self-imposed deadline of Wednesday. I believe that is today, of course. To determine whether the college football playoff can expand in time for the start of the 2024 regular season. Where do you think this all goes? And do you think they'll fold? I mean, the, the, I don't know why you would not want to be ready for this. Um, if you're the Rose Bowl, I mean, you're talking about four hundred fifty million dollars, right? Like you have to, you have to be on top of this. And why wouldn't you want to be a part of it? This is the other thing. Well, the uh, little bit I read was that they still want their own TV window in the middle of New Year's Day. That they, they want they, the no. two p.m. They want that two p.m. Eastern time slot or two p.m. Pacific time slot, and so you know they're hold they're trying to hold on to some of the tradition. Yes, it, it, good for them. Now I don't think ultimately it's going to be successful, but they're trying. No, they're going to fold. <laughs> no, no. It, it's once money's involved with it, we can forget about the pageantry. L- listen, it, it, it's, it's capitalism at its finest. Just a lot. Just let it happen. Just let it happen. Hey, I appreciate you putting up the fight. Yeah, I appreciate you throwing on the you know the the bucket on top of your head, and you got the wooden sword, and you're and you're over there trying to trying to lead the troops. But uh, no, no, you you can't you can't beat the the war machine that is college football playoff and you know ESPN essentially. Well, remember that under the current contract, of course, they were willing to concede their relationship with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 yeah. rights for the quarterfinal yeah. game to host it in 2024 and 2025. To your point. Money speaks. Last college question, real quick. Uh, Your immediate and quick reaction to Kenny Dillingham as the new head coach of ASU. Uh, great until I saw the uh, the third and fourth quarter of that Oregon Oregon State game. <laughs> because I, I was there calling that game, and I was like, "Why are you going for it again on fourth down?" Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. I mean, and look, <laughs> let me tell you, you. You know what my thought was watching that game? If Oregon, that? if Oregon State can win like this, if Washington State can win again, nine, ten wins, whatever. I mean, why can't ASU figure this out? Mm. Come on now, you got be. I mean, if you're winning in Corvallis and Pullman consistently, so here's hoping ASU did get it right because when you do get the right head coach, you can win, and it doesn't matter where you're at in the Pac-12 landscape. So look, when Max comes back, we'll get his thoughts on the Cardinals, whether they need to change anything significant during the bye. Is that even feasible, doable, plausible? Maximum football continues with Wolf and Luke Calvisi sitting in on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.